Well, y'all got me good this morning. I was not prepared for that. I'm a little flustered in a good way. Um, kids, welcome into the room. I love when we have kids in here. Um, it's going to be, it kind of mimics life, right? Kids are beautiful yet messy, and that's kind of how life is, and that's how these services are. Uh, but I love the opportunity for our kids to be in here and worship with us. Uh, let me say a couple things before we jump into the sermon. I've totally missed this on the first service. We have, um, we gave these out yesterday at our We Love KC picnic. They're little um, kind of, uh, it's a story um, that you can hand out uh, for Halloween if you have uh, kiddos who come through your neighborhood. Uh, we purchased, we handed these out yesterday um, to all the kids who came, but we also purchased extra so we could give these away. So if you all want to use these uh, tomorrow, um, it's the ghost that wasn't a ghost. So it's a little story, but it points them to the truth of the gospel. So we have tons of these available in the entryway. Uh, you'll see a little round table that has, they actually, we have them in packs of 25. So if you want to grab a pack or two, or we have them uh, you know, individually. So if grab as many as you want. We don't want any left over when we leave. Okay, so those are out there. Um, I do want to say uh, about yesterday, our We Love KC picnic uh, was incredible. I want to say thank you to all of our folks for serving and showing up and being a blessing. Uh, can we give ourselves a round of applause for that? <clears throat> We were looking for an army of 50 people to serve, and I think we had more than 50. So kudos to y'all for, again, putting the gospel on display in the way you serve and give so liberally as the Lord has given and served us. Uh, so just praying for some fruit out of that uh, as we move forward, that people will know that this is a place that is open, um, that loves people and loves the truth of the gospel. So let's move into the sermon. It'll, it will not be long-winded. It will be shorter than normal, all right? Um, I do plan for these things. We're in this year of discipleship, week number 44. We are in this series called Spirit and Truth. Uh, I do want to invite you to join us in this Bible reading plan if you haven't yet. Uh, week 44, 52. So there's still time for you to jump right in. We have Bible reading plans over at Next Steps, also digitally online at friendshipwired.com. So we are in the series Spirit and Truth. We've seen that Jesus has come. He's died for for our sins and he's been raised from the dead. This is what we call the gospel, good news, that Jesus has come to rescue us and the gospel changes everything for those who believe it and receive it. It changes everything. It changes us from the inside out. It's not a one-time quick fix. No, you, it, we, we keep believing the gospel and we keep growing deeper in it. And the more we root ourselves in the gospel, the more it continues to change us. And, you know, it changes the way that we think and it changes the way that we behave and it changes the way that we talk to ourselves. Because you all know this, the, the person that we listen to the most in our lives is who? It's you, right? We talk to ourselves. This inner dialogue is so important in our lives. And I'm talking about more than positive self-talk and self-motivation. And that's not all bad. It's better than beating ourselves down, but there's something better. If you belong to Jesus, there is something better that you can be speaking to yourself, and it's the gospel. It is the truth of the gospel and who God has made us to be. And my hope for us is that this year, as we are digging uh, digging deeper into the word of God and the truth of the gospel, that we will begin to preach the gospel to ourselves every single day that we will remind ourselves of the truth of the gospel, who we are in Christ, and that it just sinks 
in more and more and more. And so this morning, for a few minutes, we're going to look at Romans chapter 6, where Paul kind of speaks to this and gives us a little help in this. So the title this morning is, I'm not who I once was. I'm not who I once was. Y'all, I'm going to be fighting snot this whole next 10 minutes, all right? So forgive me. It's your fault, all right? So I'm not who I once was. Um, So Let's move into Romans 6, the context briefly on the book of Romans. Paul wrote this book or this letter to the Christians in Rome. He probably wrote it while he was in Corinth on his third missionary trip. And the book of Romans is one of the most influential books in the Bible, maybe the most important book theologically. There's a lot of rich theology in Romans chapter 6. John Calvin, in fact, says it this way. When anyone understands this epistle, he has a passage open to him to the understanding of the whole scriptures. In other words, what John Calvin says is the book of Romans is like a doorway that that opens up into all of scripture. It's so rich and profound. And, And so if I were going to sum up the book of Romans, I would say this. The book of Romans is all about the gospel. It's all about the gospel. It helps us realize we have a need for Jesus, that we're sinners, that we, need a, uh, we have a need for forgiveness and salvation. And so two points this morning, two points, here they are in advance. One, recognize who you are. Number two, live in light of who you are. So recognize who you are, live in light of who you are. So the first one is recognize who you are. We're gonna read verses one through 11 in Romans chapter six. And then I just wanna share a couple thoughts on that. Here's what Paul says, starting in verse number one of Romans six. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul has taught these people the gospel, which is that God's grace is greater than all of our sin. And so what he says here is, now that we've been forgiven, we've received forgiveness from God, should we continue in our sin because God's grace is ultimately going to forgive us? He says, verse number two, by no means. I remember in the King James, it actually says, God forbid that we would continue to live in sin because we have the grace of God in our lives. How can he, uh, we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And what he's talking about, this this picture of baptism, he's not talking about physical baptism, like when we get dunked in the water. He's talking about this, this spiritual reality. The word baptism means immersed or placed into, that when we put our faith in Jesus, we get placed into Christ. And so just as he died to sin and was raised to new life, we too are buried with him and we're dead to sin, alive to God. So it goes on. Verse number four. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Verse 7. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we had died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. 
We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So recognize who you are. Two verses I just want to kind of reread and, and, and focus on for a moment. Verse number five, he says this. He says, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So this is a doctrine that's so important for us to grasp. It's called union with Christ. We've been united with Christ. So when we talk about our relationship with God, we typically think in terms, I think most generally, our relationship with God, like the relationship between a son or a daughter and a father, because he is our heavenly father. We, when we put our faith in Jesus, we become a son or a daughter of God. Incredible, beautiful picture. But there's one other relationship in the New Testament that, that we're compared to. Not just a son or daughter of God, but the bride of Christ. And so when we place our faith in Christ, we become united just like a husband and a wife are to one another. We become united with Christ. Have you ever been to a wedding? You hear the, the language, like the two shall become what? One. They're united, right? They're not physically like melded together and meshed together, right? But there's this idea that we are now in this relationship where we're united and we become, go from two individuals to one. We're united together. And this is what Paul says about our relationship with Christ. When we put our faith in Jesus, we become united with him, that we're joined to him. This is, we, we, we are just like he was, again, buried, dead to sin, so we too are united with him in his death. And like he was raised to new life outside of the power of sin, we too are, when we put our faith in Jesus, when we're united to Christ, we are raised to walk a brand new creature, to walk in newness of life, union with Christ. Verse number 11, he kind of goes on here at the end of this passage and says, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin, alive to God. Dead to sin, alive to God. He says, consider yourselves. Uh, another, this is my second King James Version uh, reference this morning. Reckon yourselves is what it says. Reckon, like count it to be so. This is what is true about you. This is true, so believe it. You're dead to sin, alive to God. If you are in Christ, if you put your faith in Jesus, this is the truth about you. Dead to sin, alive to God. It's true, so believe it. Recognize the truth about who you are. So, for example, if one of my kids, one of the Tate kids said, uh, hey, dad, I don't feel like I'm a part of this family today. I don't feel like I'm, I'm a Tate. I would say, well, whether you feel like it or not, you are, in fact, a part of this family. You are a Tate. Regardless of how you feel, this is who you are. Love it or loathe it, you are a part of this family. You are a Tate. And what Paul says is, listen, if you are united with Christ, if you put your faith in him, this is who you are. You're dead to sin, alive to God. Recognize who you are. Number two, carrying on with this idea, live in light of who you are. 
So recognize who you are. Number two, live in light of who you are. Verses 12 through 14, Paul goes on to say this. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members. And when he uses this word members, he's talking about you know, members of your body, your parts of your body, your mind. Do not, he says in, in verse number 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. So recognize who you are and then live in light of who you are. Here's what Paul is saying in this passage. He is saying this, that we are no longer under the power of sin. Okay, let me repeat that. We are no longer under the power of sin. So let me make a third King James reference. Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about running this race of life and that as we run this race, we're to lay aside every, every, every sin, every weight and every sin that so easily besets us. It's, it's in the ESV translation, it's the sin that so easily clings to you. It's like the, whatever your sin is that you can't get away from, it's the sin that you struggle with the most. And, and you name it for you, maybe it's gossip, maybe it's greed, maybe it's lust, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's anger. I don't know what it is for you. Yours is probably different than, than mine. It, it, but it's this idea of the sin that clings so closely. I think about, you know, we have kids in the room. Maybe some of you parents hear this phrase once in a while in your, in your home from siblings, get off me, all right? You ever heard that? Anybody ever? Like, get off. I still hear that from my teenagers. Just get, get away, right? Um, and this is the idea of the sin that like, we just can't like get away, get away. I keep struggling with this thing. I cannot push it far enough away from me. This is the sin that I struggle with. Whatever that sin is for you, Paul says, if you are united with Christ, you are dead to sin. You don't have to allow that to reign in you. You don't have to allow it to reign over you. We're no longer a slave to sin. We don't have to obey it. So think of it this way. Before you came to Jesus, you and I essentially had no choice in the matter. We were slaves to whatever the passions of our body dictated. We had no choice in the matter. But Paul says, if you are united with Christ, you have a choice now. You are no longer under the power of sin. You are dead to sin. This is what is true about you. Whether you feel like it or believe it or not, you, if you are in Christ, you're dead to sin and you are alive to God. So in light of that, you don't have to keep being dominated by that same sin. You don't have to offer the members of your body or your mind over to be an instrument of unrighteousness. Y'all know instruments like whether it's a keyboard or a guitar, a saxophone, whatever it is, an instrument is, is void of life, right? It's lifeless. The only way that it produces a sound or produces music is, is when we put our fingers or you know, blow air into it. Like We have to give life to it. We present, we yield that instrument over. And, and what Paul says is, listen, 
you don't have to present your mind and your body and every part of you as instruments of unrighteousness anymore to sin. You can actually present, which means to yield or to offer every part of you, your mind and your mouth and your, every part of you, you can present to God as an instrument of righteousness because you are now dead to sin, alive to God. So live in light of that truth. So how do we like think about applying this to our life? Like, again, you have to first know the truth about yourself if you're gonna be able to live out the truth about yourself. So let me give you an illustration. Okay, if, you, if I asked for a show of hands, probably many of us would raise our hands at this. Uh, how many of you lived, again, don't raise your hands, how many live paycheck to paycheck? All right, imagine that you live paycheck to paycheck, maybe you don't, maybe you do, and one day you discover, you hear, you get news that, and this is everybody's like, you know, fantasy story, that I've got a long lost relative that lives in Oregon that is a millionaire, right? And they're on their deathbed and all of their fortune is coming to me. So if you live paycheck to paycheck, you're always stressing. You got bills. You got a medical bill that's hanging over your head. You have a student loan that won't go away, whatever the case is. And you find out that, well, I'm heir to this fortune. That changes how you live, right? That changes your stress level. That changes how you live. You may have been for all of your life an heir to that fortune, but now you find out what is true about you. The truth, learning the truth about who you are changes how you live. And so for us as followers of Jesus, we have to know and recognize the truth about who we are so that we can live in light of that truth. We have to know that we are dead to sin so that we can know that we don't have to give in to every single temptation. We don't have to be under its power. We don't have to obey every single temptation that comes our way. So this is why it's so important to continue to grow in the truth of the gospel. That is why this year we are spending this entire year burying ourselves, immersing ourselves in the truth of the gospel, who Jesus is and what he has done for us, who he has made us to be. We need to know it so that we can live it. So let me give one kind of final illustration. It's my friend and our worship leader, Andrew Poston. Young Andrew, I refer to him as. Um, so if, if you don't know his, a little bit about his story, Andrew has a, a background in worship as well as in theater. And so one of the lifelong kind of dreams for Andrew was to be in a Broadway show. And just a few months ago, uh, he, that, that dream, that kind of you know, longing kind of came true. And so Andrew is in his first uh, Broadway show called Almost Famous. I think we have a, uh, a photo for you to see. This is him performing, giving all glory to God, correct? Amen. Um, and so Andrew, uh, you know, I remember, so he has been, and you may not know this, for the last two months, uh, and we haven't spread this out there, but for the last two months, Andrew has been living in New York City, and on Saturday nights and through Sunday morning has been, has been traveling back to 
Lugoff, South Carolina, to be a part of this church family and to lead us in worship. And uh, he's been doing that for two months now. And today is uh, actually his last Sunday with us for a while. Um, hopefully in a couple months here, at, you know, towards the end of the year, we'll be able to bring him back again a couple times. And we'll see what 2023 brings. But um, this is his last Sunday with us. Uh, but I remember one of those first, the first week in particular, the first couple weeks as Andrew was, was uh, you know, transitioning. Transitioning to, to Broadway, you know, he has this part that he's playing. He's the understudy to the main character, this 15-year-old kid in the story. Um, and so he, uh, he's having to cram and learn all his parts, learn his lines. And he's got this, you know, enormous, well, I've, I haven't seen it, but he's saying it's like, you know, enormous book of, of parts and the lines and all those things. And so he's trying to memorize and he's cramming. All these other cast members have had their parts for months, if not years, for a couple of them or some of them. Um, and so here's Andrew trying to, to get up to speed, get his part down, right? And so, uh, you know, he... Um, I just asked him the other day, what, what was that like for you to, to get, you know, get into this part and play this role? And he, he talked about repetition. It was all about repetition. And, and I kind of wrote this down. He said, the more repetition, the more it gets into your bones and into your body. So he's like repeating. He's like reading, reading, reading through these lines. And every spare minute, I think that first week or two, he's cramming. He's trying to get this, these lines into his brain. He's rehearsing them day and night. And, uh, you know, he's watching videos and watching performances. And, and he started to like get the part down and get the lines down. So much so that actually his, his debut, is this the debut performance or no? This is when you played the kid, right? Okay, so his actual debut performance, he was playing another part that he didn't understudy. And he had approximately 45 minutes before, you know, going on stage to, you know, kind of get acclimated to this other part that he wasn't even studying for. But he had so immersed himself in this musical that he was able to, by the grace of God, I don't know how else, like pull that off. I just think it's amazing uh, and very frightening when I think about that at the same time. Um, so here is Andrew who, you know, is, has gotten to the point where he knows, he knows it. He knows it cold, inside and out. It's in his brain. He's internalized it and it just, it flows out of him. And, you know, one of the, the things he said was the goal was to, to get to the point where one day he wouldn't even have to think about it. Like it was just, it was automatic. It was like being on autopilot that it had so, like he had so rehearsed and repeated these things that, you know, he had it down cold and it just flowed out of him. And so y'all, as I've been thinking about his experience and lamenting his last Sunday here, uh, just thinking about how we as followers of Jesus, you know, we must keep rehearsing the truth of the gospel to ourselves over and over and over again, we have to keep preaching the gospel to ourselves. That we've got to so soak it in so much so that it begins to sink into us. It becomes automatic that it just flows out of us. That when the lights come on and when the pressures of life hit, when the temptations come our way, what naturally flows out of us is not my fleshly response, not my fleshly desire, not what I want, but the gospel comes out of me. That if you cut me, the grace of God is gonna flow out of me because I have so 
rehearsed the truth of the gospel, the truth of the grace of God, that it, I've internalized it, I believe it, and now I live by it. And there's times when I don't feel like it, it doesn't seem to be true, but oh my goodness, I know that it is true. It is gospel truth. And so I recognize the truth about who I am, and then I begin to live it out. I live in light of the truth. And you know what happens once we internalize the gospel? You know what we do next? Keep internalizing the gospel. Keep preaching the gospel to ourselves day after day after day, week in and week out. Why? Because we forget. We forget the grace of God. We forget the truth of who we are. And y'all, my primary job, that out of all the things that I do and I get to do, there's so much freedom when I remind myself of this, that my primary job is this, to keep reminding you of the gospel week in and week out, is to remind us of who God is, what he has done for us, and who we are in light of all that he has done. And so y'all this morning, I just wanna remind us of who you are. If you have put your faith in Jesus, you are united with Christ, you are under grace. And knowing that, y'all, we can begin to or continue to live in light of the truth about us. Amen. Praise God for the goodness of the gospel. And God, this morning, I just wanna say thank you for the reality of your saving work or that we are recipients of, that we don't earn, we don't deserve, but your grace is abundant. Your grace is sufficient. And Lord, once again, we just wanna soak in the truth and the reality of the gospel, Lord, that we are under grace. Lord, I pray for any that may be here today that don't know the truth of that, that don't know the love and the goodness and the grace and the mercy that is available to them if they would simply turn their hearts toward you. And so Lord, I pray this would be a day that you would convince them of your goodness and draw them to yourself. God, for every single one of us that knows the truth of the gospel, I pray that today we would sit in, we would rest in the truth of who we are, who you have made us to be and that we could live in light of that. Dead to sin, whatever the besetting sin is, God, that we could lay that in the ground today because of the power of the gospel. Help us to live in light of the truth that we are loved, we are the beloved, we are accepted in Christ. We are your bride. And so God, thank you for the truth of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray today.